I mean, honestly, I would say wearing a mask right now has just become commonplace. You know, you, you don't even notice you're wearing it anymore. And <laughs> leaving the house without your mask is like leaving the house without your car keys. It's the solidified new normal. Welcome to Club Management here on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash clubmanagement1. I'm your host, Shannon Dawson. But feel free to listen to the show on any of your favorite streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, too. Just type in Club Management. If you'd like to make a donation to the show in any way, you can at patreon.com slash clubmanagement1. This is episode 19. In today's show, we take a closer look on how the music industry is having to readjust and pivot in China. In the Middle Kingdom, dance floors seem to be returning to normal, as partygoers flock to their favorite spots to dance the night away. At one point, though, things looked a bit scary. For two months, everything was shut down. And how do you make money? How do you even come back after this? Pat McGowan, who we heard in the beginning of the show, runs a company called Tech Sound in Shanghai that specializes in sound engineering for esports, music festivals, and live events across China. He put it into perspective. It's kind of like companies back home. The big commercial clubs will survive, right? A lot of the big commercial clubs have the type of financial backing that, you know, they were, they were never really designed to turn a profit anyway, mm. right? Like any club that's going out and spending millions of RMB on their sound system and, and, and LED screens and lighting rig, you know, they're, they're not making that profit back. The guys who are the sort of quote unquote mom and pop shop of, of nightclubs, or let's call them the underground guys, right? Mm. The underground guys, the artistic guys, they're the ones that are in real trouble. There had to be some light at the end of the tunnel, though. I checked in with a few owners and scene organizers on what the reality looks like for them at the moment and the safety precautions they're taking in order to maintain a safe place on the dance floor for everyone. We're going to hear a few stories from Chu and Big Loco, who own Access Club in Chengdu, and Eamon, who does the booking at the legendary tag in Chengdu as well. One thing that I notice is that there seems to be this collective excitement for the future of music in China, especially with regard to local talent. Now clubs are tapping into and shining a light on the amount of amazing DJs and artists who live in China and rightfully power its music scene. But beyond partying, how can we return to the dance floor in a way that ensures safety for everyone and prevents the virus from spreading? I talked to both Eamon and Chu about what that looks like for Tag and Access and what the future has in store for them post-COVID. Located in the middle of Chengdu's busy Taikuli district lies a little club that within just one year of its inception has bought some big international talent to its dance floor. Owners Chu and Big Loco have been running Axis Club, a joint that's becoming a home for Chengdu's left-leaning experimental scene. With the virus forcing many clubs to close, Axis was able to withstand the storm. Chu and Big Loco have been trying to push music and experimental events in the city for quite some time too, with Loco running his party label, Tasty, and Chu leading arts and cultural project Lai Dian. They decided to take matters into their own hands and create a space and a home for the events they wanted to curate and bring to the city. 
they talk with me a bit about how they felt when the virus first hit. We know it's very early, but just don't know, don't like um, expect it will spread in the whole world. When we know it's really happened, we shut down the axis in January 24, like 23rd. Yeah. So I think we um, like axis and Q are the first one to decide and announced to the people we closed our club. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah. mu- that must have been so hard because you've probably had so many great bookings and shows that then you'd have to cancel. And um, yes. yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about that, too. Like, how was that now having to go back and cancel all of those events that you had you know, planned? I think at that time, what we need to do just like quick make quick decisions with all the artists because you need to cancel the hotels Mm. cancel all the flights so we need to decrease the cost yeah yeah running a club is Mm. very expensive um yes yes so we we don't we don't think too much we just think we need to stay safe and also like let all the artists know you can you you we can do all we cannot mm-hmm. so i think it's the it's a way you show respect right and also uh make efforts to save save uh, enough money you know because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we ho- hoping we can open again so at the first time we we don't think too much just want to deal with the numbers and it took a while for people to return to the dance floor too Folks were nervous about being in close quarters, and for many club patrons, their pockets were hurt too. Chu and Loco remained optimistic, helping folks to get over their collective fears and get back to tearing the dance floor down at Axis. I asked them about the health and safety measures they're taking now. We can see, we can see people have lots of questions and doubt about it, because mm-hmm. um, like uh, lots of friends or customers send the messages to us or send to our official WeChat. They ask about, you really can open it? Like all the questions, like, um, do you need to test the temperature or do you uh, need wear masks in the dance floor? Mm-hmm. So lots of questions. We can feel people still have fear about gathering together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think... We are so lucky in Chengdu because we can feel Chengdu like back to the normal life very fast. It's a tough time, but I'm glad you were able to survive. So what do you so what you, what are you guys doing now in terms of like health and safety? Are you taking um, like temperatures and, and um, do you have to take temperatures before people walk into the club or? Yes, we still do that. Okay, cool. Yeah, since we open again until now, we still test the temperature of everyone. What do you feel? How do you feel? What do you want to see when all of this craziness is over? Last year, Axis is really new to Chengdu. Like what we booking and mm-hmm. and we also, you know, serve the uh, uh, high quality cocktails. I think uh, last year, people not able to have the you know prepare to accept a new club like us like axis so now we can see uh axis is better than last year 
now we just want to continue to do more and more best night. But, you know, now we cannot book in Ellen, you know, foreigner artists, yeah. which is a problem for all of, all of us. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we try to dig into the local, um, more local DJs and artists and support them. And also, I think it's a chance for us to pay attention to lots of mainland artists in China. Chu also told me that the club was able to return quicker than most because of it being located in a government zone, which supports and celebrates the art and culture they're cultivating. And that matters so much. If you take a cab across town, you'll find Tag located in the legendary Poly Center, a 21-story building that used to house a row of different clubs and bars. When I came in 2016 to Chengdu, the Poly Center felt like a candy shop for club goers, with different clubs lined all throughout the building, with Here We Go and Bumping Hip Hop Club NASA. You could pick whatever floor you wanted to go to and dance the night away. With Tag in particular, there was something so different, a club offering a real underground experience, everything from the great lineup and visual aesthetics and lights. Unfortunately, with 2017's major shutdown, it caused many of the clubs in the Poly Center to disappear. Tag, though, was able to survive, and for the past three years has become a cornerstone and essential to the fabric of Chengdu's nightlife scene. Owner Ellen Jiang is behind the whole operation. She's worked tirelessly with her team to develop everything behind Taz's aesthetic, musical curation, and identity. The club has become more than just a place to dance, but a place where true community and passion for music lies. Tag has invited an array of international DJs to perform in Chengdu, rubbing shoulders with Berlin's Herensana crew, Hector Oaks, and so many more. While I wasn't able to get an interview with the boss lady Ellen herself, I had a chat with one of her right-hand men named DJ Amen. The Belgian-born DJ came to China in 2014 on a student exchange program, completely surprised to see what he would find in the country. For Chinese New Year, he took a trip down to Chengdu, where he'd find Tag muscled away in the polycenter. It was love at first sight. After graduating in 2017, he returned to Chengdu to live permanently. He became immersed in the club scene and eventually began DJing to now programming the international bookings for the club. He chat with me about his journey. So I actually came to China in 2016 um, and one of my like first places of partying was tag and i want to talk a little bit about the poly center where it's located it, it, i mean it's just a, a crazy oh, yeah. place just to set the tone for folks mm. um tag is situated in a place called the poly center which is literally mm. like this building <laughs> filled with great things yeah office building <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it was like a really great introduction to all the exciting things happening in nightlife uh when I first got to the city. How have you seen Tag grown over time? I'm sure you've seen so much change happen. So uh, the first time I got to Tag in 2015, so yeah, like February during Chinese New Year, that time Poly Center was still uh, open and there's yeah clubs everywhere on each floor had uh, clubs and then so many people. And 
Uh, and then when I moved in 2017, basically it's just closed. So I arrived maybe two, three months after uh, the whole building was basically uh, closed down. And I think even Tag was closed for a few months when I first arrived. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then it just uh, reopened. And actually at the beginning, I mean, I think Tag has been mostly booking local DJs and or DJs based in China for uh, the first couple of years, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then it started to change when uh, Cora started to do the bookings for TAG. Uh, probably in, that was probably around, yeah, early 2018. Then she moved to Chengdu and she started to uh, invite all of mm, these DJs. And then starting from there, I think uh, it really started to change uh, a bit also in the direction it was going and then so yeah over yeah when when i first moved in it was i mean also um a lot of the artists had, i mean i was not particularly interested in in seeing or and it just basically changed when cora took over uh yeah yeah that's great i just saw Cora's and, uh club quarantine uh set which was really great <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's great. So yeah, starting from there, uh, it basically I think like uh, I mean, the, the the music in the club changed a lot compared to the beginning, and yeah, basically I think since the last two years, it's just uh, evolving to like somehow a new direction, I guess. Right now is a really scary time, in particular for nightlife, not only in China but around the world. We're seeing a lot of clubs struggling to reopen, but somehow Tag has been able to withstand this craziness, which I'm, I'm so happy. I was reading um, the Resident Advisor uh, article that was talking about your guys' resilience and what you're doing. There were so many really great events that were going to happen prior to COVID happening. Like, yeah, there were just so many great people scheduled to perform. So when you first mm. heard about the virus... What was going through your heads? So, yeah, first, I mean, like to work on this uh, Chinese New Year lineup, it's something we've been working on for a few months, like probably six months. It's something we've like, because it's, yeah, it's also that time of the year when other people come to visit and we also wanted to make also, um, I mean, to like attract people to come and check the club as well during this time because we, we really wanted to provide a really nice lineup and, so it's something we worked on for a while and we've got, uh, yeah, I mean, the DJs confirmed were like Mama Snake and Rosette Renzi, mm -hmm. Abrema, and then the Giggling team. I think most DJs arrived by that time. I think like uh, KT, Rosette Renzi arrived and then at that time it started to be a bit like more and more intense. And, uh, but we were still going to do it because uh, we didn't really realize at first, I guess. And then we did the first night out of, oh, it was Mia from Shanghai who got uh, to play on the first night. And then I mean, we knew that it was probably going to be the last one because, I mean, at that, by that point, like um, a lot of clubs had already announced that they would close because of the virus. And uh, the first night was uh, not canceled. And then the second night we were like, okay, let's just maybe program all the DJs that came to Chengdu because anyway, they're here. Uh, and this, instead of having them uh, throughout the week, then just make one big night with all of them scheduled. Mm -hmm. And 
so we tried to do this and I think until really the same day in the afternoon we were like okay yeah let's do it mm. and then we received a phone call I think in the evening that we couldn't do it so yeah so it was uh yeah, that's just basically how it, uh, it it happened I guess I started doing the bookings in September so basically Rosa Terenzi was the first booking I've worked worked on that actually came to Chengdu because I mean I wish usually we work probably like uh, five six months ahead mm. so so when I started it was already everything was already scheduled until probably yeah January February oh. so all of the DJs have been trying to invite and working on for the for the last few months then just basically yeah has been cancelled and so I guess we yeah yeah oh my goodness I'm so sorry that definitely had to been had to be <laughs> rough um, but it's obviously proven that with you guys taking those safety measures to shut down now you're able to reopen yeah i mean actually that was uh, also much faster than i had expected because i mean i thought it would be close probably until end of april may or mm-hmm. june and so it was end of march i think the last weekend of march which mm-hmm. was also uh tax birthday and basically by that time star a club started to open i think in shanghai they opened the week before actually mm-hmm. uh so yeah it was actually quite surprising uh that it happened just so fast yeah yeah i'm so happy that everything is returning to somewhat of normalcy um what are you seeing what are you seeing now that you're open i mean are people obviously they look super excited to be on the dance floor but is there still a little bit of uh, precaution with folks coming out to uh, events at TAG? Are they a little nervous? Um, I think there might be some people who are still afraid to go out, but I think really it's a minority. And for most people, I guess it's gone basically back to normal. Mm-hmm. And regarding like precautions or, I mean, when we enter the building, the police center, there's, there's these uh, temperature checks and uh, you have to scan this QR code like uh, that you prove that you're healthy and that you haven't left maybe the city in the last two weeks or so uh, so before you enter the police center you, you have this guy and you have to scan your QR code and then basically unpack we just uh, take the temperature and I guess once you're inside most people don't even wear masks so much and I've noticed in most places here yeah most people just don't wear masks anymore actually mm. get, I mean you get checked anywhere you go if you leave your compound or you enter your compound you have to they take your temperature and so mm. uh, yeah I guess the measures are quite strict and yeah so now with, uh, <laughs> with, with everything returning back to normal though there comes a situation where you're not necessarily able to book foreign talent or international mm. talent right now because yeah. the rest of the world is going crazy um how are you dealing with that in particular yeah so basically i mean uh yeah i'm i'm doing the bookings for international artists uh, to come play a tag mm. so basically now i don't really have a job no. <laughs> on this aspect but uh, yeah i have more time to do uh, other stuff like working on the radio and yeah just also digging more music and focusing on on DJing and so it's also been nice to take a break and I mean I'm still uh, like I mean I spend my day listening to uh, mixes and listening to music so it's also I mean in a way working like trying to find new artists that would actually fit for tag and so it's also been yeah been nice to uh, to take a break 
Yeah, yeah. I think this has been a real major reset for everybody. And I'm so happy to see what you and Kristen are doing with CDCR. Um, there's been a great live stream. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, even a great live stream from Tag, too, for the for the anniversary party, which was cool. Um, yeah, for the anniversary, we did a six-hour live stream from Tag. Awesome. And, yeah, I guess we're just also trying to make uh, more streams for dip- from different places, uh in Chengdu, uh, we had a stream at La Shisan Lounge uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're trying to have a more varied kind of content. But it's been really, uh, really, really interesting. Yeah, exciting to work on on this and yeah, build something uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say this in particular with the live stream boom. It's been really great to see. Um, yeah, it's just like another way of bringing great content and good music to everybody, um, especially for folks like here stateside that are interested to see what's going on with China's nightlife scene. So that's pretty cool. What? Yeah, and I think there's been a lot of traction regarding this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now there's there's been this uh, resonant advisor feature on Tag and. I feel like uh, a lot of people are getting a bit intrigued uh, about the club and like China and something in China, and so it's quite it's quite nice. While Tag has been able to remain open, the future is still uncertain. It's not easy to run a club. Think about the amount of employees that you need to pay. Think about the amount of overhead that comes from rent. In a recent interview with Resident Advisor, Ellen Zhang told folks the government offered little to no subsidies for small businesses looking for relief. And in that two months, many staff members weren't able to receive pay and the pressure of rent costs were daunting. However, the magic that happens there is a glimmer of hope that things will turn around and everyone will come out on top. But back to Eamon's point about live streaming. Now more than ever, DJs like myself and radio stations, like CDCR, are shifting to the internet as a way to stay connected to their beloved fans and communities. We're also seeing a sudden boom in platforms like Twitch and Zoom becoming a space for DJs and musicians to perform and have the ability to gain some financial relief through donations. Could the future of nightlife transition into this online world where we party within this augmented reality? I was personally blown away by Travis Scott's recent performance with Fortnite, where he was virtually simulated in the game, and fans could play in real time and listen to him perform. How does this technology even work? Pat explains more. Well, see, that's very interesting, right? Um, I think the world making the movement towards online has has always been here and has always been headed that direction. Mm -hmm. It's just that the pandemic has vastly accelerated it um, to, to the point where it's, oh, we don't have a choice anymore. Um, in esports, um, particularly the most recent League of Legends LPL Spring Finals, right? You know, we, um, you know, we, we could not have a live audience and we could not have um, a large format venue to build a large stage. So, you know, if, if you look that up online and you watch it, like the players, you know, we built a stage and the players are face to face and we built them in a green room. And everything that you see on the broadcast, all of the the team banners and all of the backdrops and all of the logos and even down to like the shine on the floor, mm-hmm. everything is augmented reality, right? Wow. And then and the way that that technology works is, you know, the cameras can move around in the space, at, you know, no different than filming reality, mm-hmm. and the graphics engines basically 
adjust in real time all the graphic renderings to the position of the camera. And wow. you know, this technology has been being used in esports um, for years now, and I'm really excited to see, you know, more and more of this esports technology being applied to music and other live events. But like Eamon and Chu mentioned, touring and international acts for clubs are essential for nightlife business and for artists. There's a huge disruption for artists to tour internationally. And if you know anything about the business, touring is a vital way for DJs and musicians to make a sustainable income. Here's the next question I wanted to figure out. If things do shift online for live performance, what does that look like in terms of ticket sales, promotion, and pay for artists? Could live streaming be a good alternative for us until things return to some sort of normalcy? Pat unpacked a few things. One thing that's really interesting about China in particular is that because China was the first country to get the virus under control and because China uh, was the first to have a controlled, you know, steady, slow reopening, we are now the only, uh, I would argue we are now probably one of the only countries in the world that actually has open nightclubs. Now, they might not be full, but we have open nightclubs. Mm. And, um, you know, the, these nightclubs are essentially just rotating the same local DJs over and over and over again because, you know, that pool of international talent or rotating talent that, that you know, you'd get guys on tour or like, you know, the music festival circuit, these guys all can't travel anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and even when quarantine is lifted, right, you know, even when they can leave their homes, either they're not going to be able to enter the country or they're just simply not going to want to travel, right? You know, there's a, there's a very real possibility that, you know, artists are, aren't going to want to travel for a while. Mm. And... What that means is that if nightclubs are open and they want to get international talent, they have to do it a different way. And I think streaming is the answer to this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, you have, whether it's a DJ or a band, right, um, with travel restrictions or just people not wanting to travel, it becomes not an uh, not the concept of a DJ streaming to a platform and people listening to them online. But instead, you could have a DJ, right, set up a stage in a venue even, right? Or mm -hmm. you could set up a stage in a green room and, and use augmented reality. And you can take that signal and stream it directly into a live nightclub, mm. right? And I think this is going to, at least for the very least, this is going to be the near-term future of, of Chinese club partying. If things shift into this online world, like how does that work financially for everyone like uh do people then have to charge ticket sales the way they would for to go party in an actual club or like how does that translate financially i guess well that's certainly something that everyone in the industry is trying to figure out right because mm -hmm. the challenge that you have is you know from a venue's point of view or from a promoter's point of view right like they're not going to want to pay the same kind of top dollar for an artist that's not going to be there in person. Mm. And, you know, once we find that nice market price, right, of where the club can make money, the artist can make money, and you can generate enough interest that people are willing to pay tickets for it, the beauty of this this type of setup is you can completely scale it. One of, one of the cool things about streaming is the stream doesn't care 
what you put into it. It just cares whether or not you're going above its bandwidth, right? You know, AR aside, right, on the artist's end, you know, if the budget is there for it, right, and if there's enough reach, you know, you could have a full-blown broadcast production with like five or six cameras and a director and a video switcher, you know, as if you were, you were filming a live event. And you could just as easily stream that, you know, as you can, you know, a, a DJ spinning out of their bedroom. You know, likewise, in the nightclubs, you know, I think there's a lot of exciting things you can do with the scaling to, to with, with scaling up the system to make it more worth the punter's money, right? Mm. Like, you know, imagine if I, for instance, um, you know, I stretched a Mugen screen. And what a Mugen screen is, is, is a clear projection screen. You know, imagine if I, if I stretched a Mugen screen, you know, in, in front of the DJ booth or behind the DJ booth, and I projected an image of the DJ in real time. Um, imagine if we did, you know, cool stuff like motion capture and CGI, right? Um, and I apologize if I've gotten it wrong, but like, you know, <laughs> the, the technology in that type of show where you're, you know, you're wearing motion capture sensors, right? And, and you're just outputting to an LED screen. All we need to do is take that and stream it to an LED screen that's in another country. The biggest challenge um, and the challenge that, that my company, TechSound in particular, is trying to solve, and we think we're pretty close, is... You know, how do you create the live artist audience interaction, right? Because because mm. all DJs know and and all performers know that if you don't have the interaction, right, then you know you, you just it's it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. And the only barrier we have to it is latency, so a time delay of you know the broadcast from say Los Angeles to Shanghai and. We're doing pretty good, right? We've got an HD signal down to down to say two seconds, right? Mm. But you know, we're experimenting with with you know um, different ways to send the signal and incorporating things like teleconference software um, such as Zoom to just shave off as much of that delay as possible. Because the closer we can get the artist and the audience interacting in real time, then I think the closer we are to having a sustainable business model that doesn't require an artist to travel. We're coming out of the interview with all of the amazing people, uh, Amen, Chu, and Pat, and I want to thank them so much for taking time out to just speak to me um, and, and share their thoughts, because this is a really big issue that we're going to face in the community. Um, not only how do we protect each other mentally, spiritually in this time, but how do we also gain a sense of identity during this time when many of us flock to music like that's our identity so for me personally to have that taken away during this time a space where I have always flocked to for reassurance and support it feels really weird and it feels kind of empty at the moment Um, but I'm longing the return for everyone to come back together on our precious dance floors, the places that we spend so much time meeting folks, building community and building our identity in a sense. So if temperature checks, QR coding and identification gathering are steps in the right direction, is it something that we can adopt here in the States for folks when we do return to nightlife? Live streaming has been a great way for many of us to maintain our audiences, connect with folks all around the world with music. But there are some larger implications that we have to think about to make it fair for artists. 
If things are donation-based, how do we make it fair so that artists can make a sustainable living? And what are some things that these brands and platforms like Twitch and Facebook and Instagram need to keep in mind in order to make sure that things like copyright infringement and, uh, and some legalities that we need to think about in the case of nightlife venues, we also have to think about how they're going to be able to rebound here in the States, right? There's a lot of misinformation going around about how clubs are actually able to access resources to, one, pay for the rent that they have not been able to during this time, and then how they're going to be able to pay staff or even artists moving forward. So that's something we're going to explore, particularly here in NYC, since I'm going to be here permanently now um, and I'm excited to share those stories with you guys so stay tuned for that and I'm going to have all the information for each club if you'd like to make a donation if you happen to be in Asia and you're looking for some nightlife please go to these places like tag and access because they're looking for your patronship more than ever right now um, and it's essential to their survival so thank you so much for listening please make sure you're listening to club management on all of its platforms. That's on here, SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash club management one. You can also have a listen to us on Stitcher, Google play, the TuneIn app and iTunes. Just type in club management. Feel free to make a donation to you at patreon.com slash club management one. Stay safe folks until next time.